God's Word. And we genuinely care for one another. If you were part of the Journey Wall experience, you saw uh, uh, testimony after testimony. When we were in a real crisis, when a child was sick, when we were suffering with and, and dealing with grief, people came around us. This is a church that genuinely cares for each other. We're a financially responsible church. We have no debt. And looking at the facilities that we have here that are uh, so well done, it's remarkable. We live within our means. Sometimes that is challenging. And we're a missions-focused church, both in our giving and our action in supporting missionaries. We have a standing missions team in place. We value and we promote short-term mission opportunities. That's especially true over the last 20 or 30 years in the life of our church. All of that says, you're my kind of people in every way. We could not feel more at home in that sense. But there are some concerns that we have discovered as a result of using a number of tools. One is communication in the past has not been very adequate. And I hope that if you've been a part of the church here, I hope that you've seen we are diligently working to not only communicate, but as Wayne Allred, our elder chairman, says, over-communicate. Volunteer enlistment and training. We have a lot of folks who have worked very hard for years and years, and there's just this sense that there are more folks who could be involved um, who are absolutely needed. So helping people serve and find ways to serve and places to serve has been a concern. Here's a third concern. We have a Disney-quality children's and youth area that we are not leveraging. We're not using to reach people. There's a real need to strengthen our kids, our youth, our young adult ministries. In a demographic study we did of Longview, we discovered the largest demographic group in this city is those people age 0 to 20. That surprised me. So the fields are white unto harvest, as the Lord Jesus said. Here's a fourth concern, and that is we need to be more sticky. And let me explain. Churches are either like Teflon or Velcro. People come to the church, and if we're like Teflon, they come, they stay a week or two or a month, and they slide right on through because there's nothing to hold them. On the other hand, churches that have Velcro relationships, meeting of deeds, teaching the Bible in a, in a way that is relevant and understanding and true to His Word. That's a stickiness factor. So when people come, they stick. And those relationships are so important. So we need to strengthen body life. We're called the body of Christ and the life of the body. So what we're doing today is really kind of talking about as the family of God. These are some concerns. Here's a fifth concern. Outreach to the lost in our community, evangelism and discipleship is lacking. So not to throw guilt on anyone, but when was the last time you personally tried to get into a conversation with someone about Jesus? If everybody in the church was like you, where would we be? And it's not to throw guilt on any of us. It's just something. Some of us are very uncomfortable. We don't know how to get into a conversation about the gospel. And that's one of the things that we'll do in the class that that I'll be leading in June. Uh, two more. Number six, leadership development. We need to recruit and empower and equip new leaders, younger leaders in the life of our church. And last of all, number seven, we need to clarify where we're going as a church. What is our vision as a church? So with all of those, those concerns, let me mention Seven recommendations coming from the transition team. Three of them apply directly to the elders that the elders will work on. Three apply to the congregation itself. And we're going to be asking many of you to help us with those recommendations. There is one recommendation that applies to everyone. So if you would throw that up. We want to bathe everything in prayer. Because Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. Jesus said in Luke, he said, or in Matthew, he said, both Matthew and Luke, he said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give his spirit to those who ask him? We literally want to bathe everything in prayer. So I'm 
challenging our elders and I'll challenge our deacons to pray every month through the list of people who are members of our church. And you can count on being prayed for at least once a month. And if you've got a need, we'd love to hear that need. This is a recommendation that applies to all of us. Now, recommendations for our elders. We want to clarify and communicate the mission, the vision, and the direction of our church. What is it that makes us, us? What did God have in mind when he created Fellowship Bible Church? What is it that we value more than anything? Um, And to find the right lead pastor, we need to know that. We We need to find a pastor who fits us rather than someone who comes in and makes us fit him. So we need to be able to say, here's what we're about as a church. Here's what we value. Here's where we believe God is leading us as a church. There's a second recommendation that the elders will work on, and that is to clarify and communicate the role of elders, deacons, and staff. How do we work together to make decisions? This is very confusing, not only to new people in our church. It's very confusing to long people who have been here a long, long time. We have a cumbersome way of making decisions. And so we just need to look at that and ask, is this the, is this the most effective way that we organize ourselves under the lordship of Jesus and lead the church? So we'll need to look at that. That may involve revising our, our constitution because there are all kinds of things that are there that we are not doing and probably should be doing. And then last of all, it's for the elders. We want to clarify and communicate and lead in the disciple-making strategy. The first you'll see, the first clarify and communicate the mission, mission, vision, and direction of the church. We've got to do that immediately. I have heard over and over as I've met with you, we're like a rudderless ship. We don't know where we're going. Well, that's the role of elders in, in the life of a New Testament church. But there are other recommendations that we need to be working on, but they're not as immediate. And one is to clarify and communicate and lead in our, our disciple-making strategy. Folks, every church has the same mission. We don't have a choice about that. Jesus said in the great commandment, we're to love God and we are to love people. And he said in the great commission that we are to go and make disciples. We're to love God, love people, and make disciples. Every church has the same mission. Now, the way that we do that under the leadership of the Holy Spirit will be different than perhaps another church. How do we make disciples in this church? How do we do that? If someone becomes a Christian here, what, how do we help them become a mature follower of Jesus? Do we have a pathway? Do we have a process? And so that's, a, that's an elder responsibility that we'll be talking about. Now, recommendations for the church as, as a whole. We're going to ask many of you to help us to focus on ways we can better connect with each other and immediately. It's very interesting as we work together as a transition team, over and over we came to the, to the question, how do we help folks, how, how, do we, how do we become sticky? And this is a church that loves community. This is a church that loves to be with each other. And that's right in line with what the New Testament teaches. Here's a second recommendation for the congregation, and that is discover and exercise our spiritual gifts to serve the church body and reach out to the lost and needy in our area and abroad. How do we reach families with the facilities that God has provided for us? How can we, how can we help people who will volunteer to, to be trained and find their, their right fit? How can we help people discover how God wired us to, to serve Him? How can we help people find a ministry in the church and a mission outside of the church? How can we revitalize our our mission's focus? Mission trips have been such a part of the history of the church. How can we crank those up again? And how can we communicate in ministries that genuinely care for people today in our community? How can we create and staff and lead and serve in ministries to help people who are going through grief, people who are going through divorce, people who are just maxed out financially, people who are trying to learn English as a second language. So that's a second recommendation for the congregation. Here's the third one, and this would not surprise you. 
How can we become involved in making disciples and creating a disciple-making culture where it's part of who we are? You read the life of the New Testament church in the book of Acts, and you sense there's a culture working there. It's a disciple-making culture. Now, how do we do that with these recommendations for the congregation? I'm going to ask many of you to sign up for one of three teams. One of three teams. First, a connecting team. This is a team that will study the biblical basis for fellowship and, and relationships, the one another's of the New Testament, and a team to help us to develop and implement strategies so that we can become more sticky. That's my term. It's not a biblical term. Develop ways to increase the number and effectiveness of groups. Not only do we want to be together as a large group, the larger we grow under God's grace, and if, it, if that is His plan, then we have to become smaller at the same time. And that means the number of groups and the, and the, the strengthening of, of the groups and the number of people in the groups. And how can we help our folks figure out how to deal with conflict? As I said last week, wherever you get two or three Christians, you find four opinions. And that's just a, that's one of the things that over and over and over we find in the New Testament. So how can you sign up for that group? You can do it online. You can do it out at the connection desk outside. There'll be folks there to help you. You say, well, I've got a lot of questions about, about that. Well, those will be answered as we begin to meet together. Here's a second team. I'm going to ask some of you to sign up for a serving and outreach focus team. How can we help people discover their spiritual gifts? And how can we develop leaders? How can we create a pathway or a pipeline, if you will, for new leaders? And how can we find ways to, to reach lost people in our community? We don't want to just fill holes, plug holes. We want to help people find the place where God makes them effective and gives them joy in serving. And there's another, one more team and that is the disciple-making culture-focused team. Kind of a cumbersome term, I know, or title. What's the biblical basis for discipleship? How in the New Testament do they make disciples? And then begin to implement a pathway so if a person comes to Christ here, they know exactly the next step for them all along the way to go from being a spiritual baby to being a spiritual adolescent to being a spiritual adult. That's 1 John chapter 2 and then recommend a plan for creating this a culture at uh, the church. If one of those rang your bell, if there was one of those and you said, that's what I'd like to help with, I really do hope that you will sign up at the connection desk You'll have or online. You'll have an opportunity the next few weeks to sign up. And, oh, by the way, the work that we have done, some 29 pages of an assessment report, is available for you if you'd like to pick one up. It's great reading if you can't go to sleep at night. I'm being facetious there. It's, it just kind of outlines the tools that we have used, what we had discovered, kind of a summary of, of all of that. And if you'd like one there at the connection desk when you leave, and if we run out of those, be happy to provide that for you because this is the Lord's church. This is our church, and we want to be a part of what God is doing here. If you've got a question, I'll be available after the service. Our elders will be around here at the prayer time. We're happy to serve in any way that we can. Thank you so much for listening. You are a joy to be with. That comes from the bottom of my heart. I'm so glad God called us to be a part of what he is doing here at Fellowship Bible Church. Share, uh, be brief, be brief, <laughs> and uh, share with us what God's put on your heart. Slate, I think you have something from someone who is not here. Once you prime the pump, kind of share that with us. Hey, uh, this is on behalf of Taylor and Jenny Mobley, who weren't able to be here today. As uh, many of you may know, they have been leading the College Age Life group for the past year, as well as helping with uh, other activities. So I'll just read you a little bit of what they wanted to update you guys on. Uh, this past year, there were more students attending the life group, so that was, that was a great blessing, as that 
college age group starts to be built up some. Uh, also, they had a num the uh, monthly lunches were very well attended. I want to say typically 30 to 40 college age uh, young people were there at those. And uh, it was a blessing. This, this is actually a, a good mark of discipleship within the church, but a number of families within the church helped provide food for those lunches, as well as uh, some families providing their homes for fun activities and that kind of thing. Uh, they also want to mention some of the challenges. Uh, obviously, there's always the consistent attendance issues at uh, kids of that. I said kids, my apologies. I'm 50 guys, forgive me, college age students. Uh, People of that age. Uh, so there's challenges of uh, uh, consistent attendance, of course, uh, difficulties sometimes with commitment, uh, the time of the life group, that kind of thing. So uh, I guess what I, <clears throat> I just wanted to communicate to you guys their heart for uh, young men and women of this age group and uh, challenge and encourage you guys to help them as they are building up ministry to this age group and uh, anything that you can do to help out they would appreciate and of course they would greatly appreciate any prayers or encouragement coming your way as well thank you yeah. how long is brief <laughs> um I've been pretty excited going through Nehemiah. There's a, there's a lot that I believe it, that God has placed on my heart. Beginning back when Casey and I came to this church, um, we first came to the church, I didn't want to stay here. This was four years ago. Um, I, I loved what was going on with the children. The children's department was great, and our children fit right in right away. But my thing was is I didn't see the men getting together. I didn't see them doing any kind of fellowship. My wife was up here three days a week, <laughs> three days a week, whether it be mops or uh, any other number of programs. And in a sense, I was a little bit like, I was a little jealous. I was a little like, well, I don't feel like I'm, I'm connecting. And um, God started working on my heart then. And if I say, all right, well, I'm going to, I don't typically like qualifier statements, but if I say things that offend any one of you, realize that it's because scripture and the Holy Spirit has convicted and offended me with those things to begin with, to start. Um, I looked around and as as COVID hit, as many other things in our society hit, and I looked around and I was saying, where are the men? Where are they? Where are the men? I looked through church history, I looked through scripture, and I saw God using men that were not careful. Men to stand in the gap, stand in the gap for their children, stand in the gap for their their church stand in the gap of their community, and I didn't see that happening. And I'd gone through Nehemiah probably three years, two years before this, this came up. So when Nehemiah came up, I was very excited because I'd already started working towards trying to build a men's ministry here at our church in the sense of we do a breakfast, and it's just a breakfast now, but God really placed it on my heart that we want to see that grow from there. All these things that the pastor Sam mentioned should start with the men. We should be the ones initiating this. That is our role. And I want to see the men iron sharpening iron. I want to see the men latching arms together, fighting back to back, a sword in one hand and a trial in the other, because I have a hope for a future because of Christ, which means I have a hope for the future of my daughters. I have a hope for the future of my son. And that means that I have hope that there will be godly men to marry my daughters, and there will be a godly woman that my son finds. And that is where God started with me on Rise Up and Build.
Um, I'm going to try to be brief. That's not in my nature. And I'm going to try not to cry too much. Um, I lost my mom this Tuesday. I never understood that statement because she's not lost. I know where she is. Um, she is in the arms of Jesus. And I am very thankful for my mom um, at this stage of my life. Now, when I was a teenager, that may have been different. I was very, oh, my God, Mom, you're paying all in change. Or um, she was a first-grade teacher for 40 years, and she would wear this Easter hat that was huge, and she put grass on top and eggs and, and rabbits coming out of it. And um, she was eccentric, and she was fun, and she was... Um, I didn't appreciate those things then. As you get older, you call your mom and you apologize a lot. Um, but on Tuesday, I um, personally am going through some trials in my life. And I randomly called a dear friend and said, do you happen to be home? I just need to figure something out. And right now, I just need somebody to walk me through it. And she was there. And she goes, I've got a little bit of time before I have to take somebody to an appointment. So I stopped by. And... Um, she was able to minister to me not only what I needed, but um, um, what, I, what I had come for, but some other things came out. And so leaving there, I looked down, and I had like zero gas, maybe two miles left on my little thing. And she lives pretty far out. And so I'm praying to get to the gas station. I'm like, Lord, how much more can I take? And I got to the gas station, and we got gas, and I was sitting there, and my phone rang, and it was my brother. And my brother is um, a retired lieutenant colonel. Uh, he does not cry. And he was sobbing. He couldn't tell me. All he, I just knew it was him because it said Will on my phone. And I said, Bubba, is this that call? And he said, My mom had Alzheimer's, so even though um, that call was not pleasant, it was not a shock, and we had been losing mom a little bit at a time, and it was time. She had been talking a lot about her parents were coming to pick her up for something, or she had missed curfew or things like that, and she was already going back to that place, and she's, she's now with them, and um, so... Um, in a way, that was a blessing. That was a blessing that even though that disease can be very um, traumatic, um, she was always, she was never scared of who she was with, even if she didn't know who you were. Uh, my mom could talk to a fence post, and that's one of the things that I, another thing I was embarrassed about as a teenager, but um, I'm that way as well. My mom, um, I'm thankful that the Lord gave me a, a mom that loved the Lord. She taught me that you talked to the janitor and listened and cared about and responded the same way you would to the president of the school or, or a celebrity. She taught me there were no respecter of persons. She taught me that when you <clears throat> are going through things, that it's not God punishing you. It's him standing in the fire with you so you're not consumed. It's him parting waters and making a way where there's no way. Um, I'm so blessed to have had a mom that taught me I was never alone. And I'm very thankful that she is now where there are no tears. Um, but going and tying it back into building the church, um, we were having to speak with the director about things. This has been a whirlwind. She passed on Tuesday. We went to Tennessee. We've been driving um, a lot. That is a long drive. Um, and we got back last night um, in time for auditions at Artsview, in time to sleep a little and wake up and come to church. <laughs> um, but um, so, <coughs> excuse me. She, um, they were asking us questions about mom so that they, because she was in Tennessee, but we're from here, um, just the things about our mom. And one of the things that came out is mom didn't have a, a certain thing. Mom served everybody. She taught for 40 years. She volunteered at the school as the concession stand at the football when my brother played or a band mom chaperone when I was this. She, in the community, she helped if there was some need to repaint something downtown. 
my mom was just, her hobby was that she served everyone. And that's what I want to be in this church is wherever I'm needed. Just let me be a part of it. Let me serve. Let me be there because that's the example that she set. Um, when my grandma was first diagnosed, basically, with Alzheimer's, I didn't really know what it was at first. Um, but as I learned more about it, I kind of started to understand. Um, but when she passed, it was, it was really, it was sad. But the more I thought about it, it was also good because she didn't remember a lot of people and she didn't remember where she was and she didn't remember that she couldn't just get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And um, it was good now that she's up there with um, God that she no longer has to be confused all the time and not knowing where she is or um, it's just a good thing even though it hurts for us I know that I will see her again someday and um, she was always there for us when we needed her and thank God. Good job. How many of you have a family member dealing with dementia or Alzheimer's? Would you stand? You have a family member dealing with dementia or Alzheimer's? My mother, same way. Just remain standing. Would, would someone beside each one of these standing, just stand up and put a hand on a shoulder. Take just a moment, put a hand on a shoulder. And let me lead us in prayer. Lord, our lives are in your hands. Our future is in your hands. You are good and you are gracious. And we thank you that, as we've just heard, uh, you're not only with us, but you bore uh, the pain of our sin, the guilt of our sin, the shame of our sin. And Lord, we lift up family members of those dealing with dementia, with Alzheimer's. Thank you, Lord, that in your grace, Nothing is lost. And we thank you, Lord, that deep within the heart of each one, those who are believers, trust in you, that you are there even though nothing shows. Souls are secure in your hands. And there will be a reunion in heaven that will make every reunion here pale. So thank you, Lord, for that. We pray for strength. We pray for peace. Help us to know how best to serve our family members. We ask that your everlasting arms be under them and under us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Anyone else? That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> well, my name's David Fisher, and if you know me, you know I'm brief. So, um, Time's up right now. What, a, what an amazing to-do list that we've been presented with. 
And as I look through that and I listen to it, it is incredibly overwhelming and challenging. And I can get the cart in front of the horse as quick as anyone. But I know God always gives us the answer. He tells us that the world will know we are his disciples. That's what we're supposed to be making. By the way, we love one another. And God so loved that he gave. Well, for many years, I had a heart of stone. I did not have a heart of flesh. And the word says, pray. And God takes our heart of stone, and he gives us a heart of flesh. But sometimes it seems he waits on us to ask. And in his love, he will, and he does. He takes our heart of stone, and he gives us a heart of flesh. And I, my heart was hard for a long time. And I had a friend ask me one time, he said, have you ever shed a tear for the lost? And I said, you know, I, I'm concerned. I mean, I pray about lost people all the time. But to be honest, I had not shed a tear for the lost. And so he handed me this little vial, and he said, pray that God would fill your heart, that he would break your heart, and he would fill this vial with tears for the lost. With a list like this of what God is challenging and the leadership of this church is challenging, I want, I want to share with you that until our hearts are full of love, we can't, we can't muster the strength, we can't stay on task until our hearts are full of love. And when, and when I realized that, I had to ask God, would you just fill my heart with love for you and love for your people? So much so that it would overflow, kind of like a, an artesian well. It would overflow, and wherever we go, we'd splash a little bit of love on the rest of the world around us. You never know when the opportunity is going to come. And I put it this way. We're called to love the good, the bad, and the ugly. And obviously, some of you are a whole lot easier to love than others. You, don't, you, you probably get more credit for loving me than you do for Sam. But that being said, every day, pray. It all started with prayer. We have to pray that God fill our hearts with love. I mean, it's a given for the women, I think. But for us guys, and thank you, brother, for the challenge, we got to pray. we got to pray that God fill our hearts with love. Wherever we go, whoever we see, whoever we encounter. And when he does that, our minds begin to think differently. And we begin to have compassion. And we begin to wonder. I never asked myself the question, I wonder if that person's saved or not. I wonder what they're going through in life until he started working on my heart. To love the stranger or to love the alien or to love the knuckleheads, whoever it was. I challenge you, I encourage you to begin by asking God to fill your heart with love. And, and out of the abundance of that love in our hearts, it will overflow to discipleship and to outreach and to anything and everything that God will call us to do. It all begins with love and God so loved that he gave. The reason I can't give is because my heart is not full of love. So, Lord Jesus, give us the love that overflows to others. David, pray, come back to this mic and pray that that will be the case with us. Pray that God will fill our hearts. Father, you, you love us more than we can comprehend. Um, many have eyes and do not see, ears and do not hear, and hearts that do not comprehend. Lord, we are, our lives are full of distractions, things to frustrate us, things to anger us, things to disappoint us. And yet, Lord, you are at work in and through dementia, car wrecks, lost jobs and relationships you're still the god of all and you are lord of all lord jesus 
thank you that you loved us so much that you submitted to the Father and came and served us and loved us and died for us. Lord, give us love, overwhelming, abundant, generous love. The world will know that we are your disciples by the way we love one another. Lord, fill us with that kind of love so the world will know to your glory. Amen. 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 My name's Frank Olson. A lot of you know me, and thankfully, uh, Don, one of our elders, uh, gave me a practice for this an hour and a half ago or so in our Sunday school class. I was uh, in the first group of leadership, some of which became elders and some of which became deacons started this church years ago. I lost how many years ago it was now. But uh, we were sharing uh, about the discussion that this church is having in our Sunday school class with Don. We didn't do our normal Bible lesson. And God reminded me of uh, this building of the body of the church, not the building, but us. And I shared that there were, as Lynn and I, my wife, came to Laterno as students, there were couples in our little church that every Sunday, one of these three couples would have one or two or four or five of us college students over for lunch after Sunday worship service. One of those wives of one of these families is here with us today. And I honor her, and I won't say her name. You, you that were in her class know who I'm talking about. Her and her husband uh, had us over, you know, 20, 30, 40, 100 times, I don't know. And there was another couple. And the other couple, the Father ended up being the first time he'd ever uh, led a marriage ceremony, uh, led major marriage ceremony of Lynn and I, my wife. And uh, we were the first couple that he had ever done that with. And we're still now, what, 53 years, I think it is, last Mother's Day, or the day before Mother's Day. But anyway, this other couple... Uh, her husband and I ended up a few years later after I was out of school starting to build um, another Christian camp. We'd been part of one over south of Dallas, Cedar Hill Bible Camp. And uh, we ended up both on the board of this other camp and uh, helped build it from scratch. It was originally it was supposed to be a Christian service brigade camp, and now it's an independent camp. And... Uh, and it's still going strong. And that was real neat. Uh, and I would encourage us as families, individuals, and and I hear there's you know a big college uh, lunch thing on Sundays uh, that's in a large group. But I would encourage you as a as a couple or a family to invite one or two of these students next fall uh, instead of doing it as a mass group, maybe the way we're doing it here at church, and I'm not real familiar with that, uh, just to get to know some of these college kids and encourage them. But in that encouragement, uh, and I was called to Christian camp work uh, years ago because of that actually going on me going with guys from our church as a junior high kid and as a high school kid we used to go up in the spring before summer camp started and work and help repair and build camps and through that 
God called me into that. And then sort of like the 40 days in the wilderness or 40 years in the wilderness, uh, I spent time in college and employment for others and self-employment. But all that while, I was helping with two different Christian camps here in Texas. And eventually I went up to one in, in Colorado, the one that Jordan Johnson came and worked at. I helped build that camp and stayed there and actually was part of three or four other camps in that same valley, uh, getting to do a lot of their plumbing work and construction work in my own business. And I did all the work for them free gratis because they were Christian camps work. And God has really blessed my life life because of the encouragement of the families that were part of my life as a high school kid, college kid, young adult. So we all have that ability to encourage each other in ways that we will never know uh, that sometimes what comes out or how it worked out. So, and it's really neat to come and see this group together uh, now, how this church has grown over the years since it started. And and God has blessed me with the ability to come and share with y'all and to be a part of this church in a special way uh, to see how it continued to grow. And I've, I told Jim, Sam this uh, a while back when he first came. One of the one of the things we did as leadership in the in the church early on was uh, we had a guy like Sam come and uh, coach and encourage us as leadership in the same thing that's going on right now. In the, in the building of a body and in the creation of the ori- this original church. And uh, so continue to be a part of it and grow and encourage those around you in ways that you may never know the outcome until we all get together again uh, in that coming day. And I think it's very soon. So carry mm-hmm. on, Sam. so that's all about the life of God's body the the body of Christ encourage one another and what a great suggestion about taking college do we have any college students here this morning any college students y'all have lunch plans these guys right down here don't have lunch plans (laughs) You've, you've heard the challenge let's be doers of the word and not Ears only. So you guys hang around after church, okay? All right. This series probably has meant a little different to Richard and I than it has to anybody else because 10 weeks ago we got hit by a tornado. And the amount of love that the church has given us has been so overwhelming. About 60 people from the church come out and gave us five days of hope of cleaning out around our house that we could not even walk. Two of our vehicles were trapped. Everything was a war zone. And the first day it was needed, they come out and they got us untrapped and fixed us. But then the rest of the week they came out and cleaned up our mats that we would have had to done for the rest of our life. <laughs> the amount of prayer and support has been so comforting. And so every day we come back to church and it says, do you ever feel like you don't have any walls? We had no walls, (laughs) literally. And it seems like we still need a lot of prayer because we're making choices that affect us. And sometimes you make a choice and then they do a horrible job. You get to go back and make another choice and fix that choice. And so we still need prayer and encouragement. Richard and I have gone to this church for about 26 years. We've seen lots of stuff that has been wonderful. We've seen some stuff that hasn't. But getting involved, there is places that you don't realize just just 
praying for people actually as being involved, but coming and setting and holding a baby, it just gives that parent time to get fellowship, and those babies love you. Matter of fact, my twos and threes class, two of the kids, their dad talked earlier, they have offered to let us move in with the RV with them. And they were praying very hard for us because Miss Angela could not miss church. So even the little bitty kids love us and take care of us. And I have had a group of friends for a lot of years now that we just go out about once a month and celebrate life. They pray for my kids. We do baby showers for their kids or wedding showers. And so just find one person to connect with and then bring somebody else into your group. Because before you know it, you will be living life with about 10 different people. And two of them have moved away, but we still have life with them. So it's been pretty awesome. Uh, I've always had uh, kind of a mental disorder. I like things clean and neat and organized. And I guess God maybe had a little sense of humor about that. He kind of stirred us up here a couple of months ago. But I can tell you that even in the eye of a tornado, God is still in control. He never leaves you and he never forsakes you. And I want to thank everybody that came and rescued us and prayed for us and helped us. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know, I'm Marshall Sherman, um, and this is my son, Benjamin. There's many of you I know who um, are always looking for alone time. Well, the Lord has blessed me with plenty of that. Uh, growing up, my sister Katie and I um, spent plenty of time on a bulldozer or a scraper uh, where you're going round and round all the time, uh, doing roughly the same thing. And you get a lot of time to think, to pray. Um, and... At that time, I thought, you know, I'm going to do something where I'm not by myself all the time. And then the Lord put me in a mail truck seven, day, seven hours a day. <laughs> so, um, for those of you who are looking for time to pray, time to reflect on your own situations, um, the mail service is a great place to go and work. <laughs> uh, but I say that just, there are some great parts to being in that mail truck or on that bulldozer uh, where you're driving through a community and you see all those people who, many of them are going to church, but many of them aren't. And you get that opportunity to, to meet just briefly with 771 different stops on the route where they all have different needs. They all have different hopes and, and prayers. Um, and you get to participate in that occasionally. Um, and it's been a great blessing for me. Um, some of y'all in here may even be on my route. Um, but it is one of those situations just like Hope and her mom were talking about where her mother and grandmother got to serve just a little bit everywhere. And um, thank you all for the opportunity to serve with your children um, in Awana and in 456 Church. And thank you for the opportunity to, to come and, and be just a part of this body um, because there's many of you whose names I know and love and then there's a lot of you who I just know your faces but I appreciate you you're often prayed for in that seven-hour drive every day um, and if y'all are looking for something to do consider coming out and, uh, and serving with us in kids' ministry, whether it's Awana or, you know, one of the Sunday morning services. Come on out and um, 
there's a lot of kids out there that that you will meet and get to pray for as well and um, and get to love, just get to be a part of, of their lives. And you get to know so many more of them than you do of, of the adults in this class uh, serving in kids' ministry. Um, you know, just like I know Hope, Hope and Hope's mom, but... Uh, <laughs> And so many of the rest of you are the same way. I, but thank you. I appreciate the family that this church has been. Um, and Benjamin had something as well he wanted to talk about. We've all been through something sad, probably. Yeah. And we're probably all going to be through some more things that are sad. Whether it be... A lost family member, a tornado. Don't let that break you. God gave every one of us a purpose. Don't let that break you, please. Every one of you in this room, everybody has at least somebody that loves you. Don't let that break you. Don't let the beat stare you in the eyes and just break you. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Can I tag on to the end of Benjamin's for just a moment? Um, the other thing that this, this weekend is, um, tomorrow is Memorial Day. Um, I know for us, we had Uncle Terrell and um, who was killed in World War II. Uh, is there anyone else out here who has lost a family member in, uh, in the service? If, if you don't mind, would you all stand for just a moment, please? Very few. But... Thank you, everyone, for your family's sacrifice. I mean, we'll, we'll remember our veterans in November, but Thank you for those who gave all. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Been a lot of encouragement, a lot of challenge. And uh, John, what I'd like to do is sing that, that last song. And I'd like to close in prayer. And I would like to remember those folks in Uvalde, Texas, now who are experiencing so much of what we've mentioned here. So let's sing. I'll pray. And then our prayer team will be here at the front and we encourage you to, uh, we can help and serve you in, in some way. We'd love to do that. So just feel free to come forward after, after the end. Amen. 